This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. You see, the nation of Israel actually proved that point. They continued on. They disobeyed God. They had unbelief, and they saw everything. They saw the hand of God. You heard me say this before. To the unbeliever, no miracle is sufficient. To the believer, no miracle is necessary. I don't look for miracles. Can God do miracles? Absolutely. Is he still doing miracles? Absolutely. He could do whatever he wants. He's God. He's sovereign. If someone were to tell you that they could lift up an airplane with their pinky finger, you'd probably look at them like they're crazy. However, if that same person said that and proceeded to do it in front of your eyes, you would no longer doubt them. Now, that's a silly analogy. But today, Pastor Eddie will talk about how even though the nation of Israel saw God perform miracles right before their eyes, they still had disbelief. As Christians, we are to believe what God says, even when we can't see it. Now, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of Numbers chapter 12 and 13 as he continues his message, Warning Against Unbelief. us in the story in the book of Numbers chapter 12 and 13 that they send out, when they made it to the border, they send out 12 spies to spy out the land. And so they went and then they came back with a report, the 12 spies. 10 of the 12 said, wow, my interpretation, I'm going to paraphrase here. Wow, the place is awesome. The grass is greener on the other side. It's a place, the land is filled with milk and honey. It's beautiful. You should see the grapes. You should see the trees, how luscious. It's a beautiful land. Boy, the land God picked for us is beautiful. But there's a problem. There are giants there. There are We're like grasshoppers to them. We can't take that land. They had a good report about the land, but unbelief. With the exception of Joshua and Caleb. Now, Caleb had to simmer down the crowd because the crowd, all of a sudden, you're thinking about 10 people with a negative report. Guess how many people they infected with their unbelief? Almost two and a half million Moses led almost two and a half million people out of Egypt and took only 10 people. Their negative unbelief had filtered into the people of Israel. Think about that. That's all it takes. And then they're saying, wow, beautiful. Oh, the crowd is like going, oh, their mouth is watery. You know, the grapes are that large. But then we said, but we got a problem. They said, oh, they started crying and said, we should go back to Egypt. Moses, why did you deliver us out here? They wanted to go back to the world. Egypt is a symbol of the world. They wanted to go back to slavery, which is bondage to them was bondage to slavery. For us, it's a picture of bondage of sin. They wanted to go back. 
So the crowd is like, oh, lions, tigers, and bear. Oh, mine, lions, tigers, and bear. And they're like, we can't. The, the, the big giants, we can't. But it took Caleb who, said, who calmed them down. Caleb was the only one that said, let us go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. Didn't care about the giants. And you see, only one. The Lord said in Numbers chapter 14, verses 22 to 24, it says, because all these men, speaking of the spies, who have seen my glory and signs, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, they saw everything. They're doubting. They saw the 10 plagues that set them free from Egypt. They saw the pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were given water in the desert. They saw the sea, the part where they walk right through. They saw the glory and power of God. And here they have unbelief. He said, who have seen my glory and the signs which I did in Egypt in the wilderness and have put me to the test. Now these ten times and have not heeded my voice. They certainly shall not see the land. That's the punishment. Of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of those who reject me see it. Unbelief, reject God. They will not see the promised land. Verse 24, but who's going to see the promised land? My servant Caleb. Because he has a different spirit in him and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went and his descendants shall inherit it. God is faithful. Two and a half million people may be unfaithful to God and may not make it to the promised land. But if it takes one, God will bring that one. Same thing when you look at Lot. Remember, Abraham said, Lord, uh, I know you're going to bring, you're going to judge Sodom and Gomorrah. If they're like 50 people, oh, 50 people, I won't destroy it. Lord, if there's 40 people, 40 people, I won't destroy it. Do I hear 30? Do I hear 20? But God had to deliver them out. Angel had to take them by the hand and God brought judgment. But we see here the children of Israel did not make it to the promised land. And thus they had to wander in the desert for 40 years. Their hearts were hardened. They saw miracles after miracles after miracles after miracles. They saw the mind. They saw the supernatural. They saw things that even today scientists cannot understand or can't explain. All they're going to say is a story. But you see, it's true even today. How many people, or I'm, you probably heard this before, where people say, you know what? I'll believe in God. If he shows me something supernatural or he brings down a miracle, I'll believe in God. The reality is, it's not true. Because you see the nation of Israel actually proved that point. They continued on. They disobeyed God. They had unbelief and they saw everything. They saw the hand of God. You heard me say this before. To the unbeliever, no miracle is sufficient. To the believer, no miracle is necessary. I don't look for miracles. Can God do miracles? Absolutely. Is he still doing miracles? Absolutely. He could do whatever he wants. He's God. He's sovereign. And I've seen, I witnessed it, but I don't need it to believe God. And you can see that is living proof that no matter how many miracles God can show to man or give to man, man will not believe. You remember in Luke chapter 16, 
when Jesus gave the story. Some people call it a parable, but it has two names in there, so it's probably a story. The parable of Lazarus and the rich man. You remember when the rich man and Lazarus died? The rich man was in Hades, and Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom in paradise. And there was a gulf. Jesus is giving the story. There was a gulf between Hades and the uh, paradise, Abraham's bosom. And the rich man saw Abraham from afar and says, Abraham, please, if you could send me back, I want to warn my brothers about this place. It's dark. What did Abraham say to him, according to Jesus If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded through one raised from the dead. Case in point, who rose from the grave? Jesus Christ. And even in times of Christ, even after his resurrection, still many did not believe. So miracles cannot cause one to believe or have faith. Now, there's a difference between the two. In the Bible, they use interchangeably. We say believe, you know, James said, you believe, great. Even the demons believe, what's the difference? It's how you live your life and how much faith you have. Now, the Gospels, the word faith is not mentioned in the Gospel of John. You can look, go to your concordance, read all the chapters. You won't find the word faith in the Gospel of John. You'll find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, but you won't find it in John. John uses the word belief. And he quotes Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But it's the belief, and that's important. That's pretty much the theme. That's that's what he's trying to point here, the right of Hebrews. Abraham, in in the story of Christ, said that they're not going to be persuaded by someone raised from the dead. Lucifer, at one time, he was in the presence of God. He was around the throne of God. He saw the glory of God, yet he rebelled. Judas, one of the disciples, followed Jesus, saw all the miracles Jesus performed, walking on water, healing the sick, yet his hand was in the money bag and he betrayed Jesus. So, miracles are not going to save anybody. Don't look for miracles, look for Jesus. And so this is the unbelief that he has pointed out here. Miracles don't save, it is the belief. And so there is a a, a warning here. The unbelief begins with the hardening of the heart. The heart could be hardened. Why? Because lack of fellowship. If we go back to chapter 2, the drifting away, what does that do? Why is there a warning, the first one, about drifting away? Well, you drift away from fellowship. You drift away from going to church. It's not going to church is going to save you, by the way. But church is where you go. People who go to the gym, they'll go to the club, they'll go golfing. But when it comes to church, eh, it's not important. Or you drift away from fellowship. You drift away from your prayer life. You drift away from reading the Bible. You drift away from devotion. What happens when you drift away from the things of God? You drift away. And it could get to the point where your heart becomes hardened. And that happens. That's why there's a second warning, unbelief, because it begins by drifting away. It's a chain reaction. Hardening of the heart. And, you know, that happens. There comes a time where people just harden their hearts. And the warning is here. Do not harden your heart. He's talking to Christians. He's not talking to unbelievers. 
Don't be fooled. Oh, well, I can't have a hardened heart because Jesus is in my heart. Yeah, but you can kick him out of your heart. And we're going to get a little bit more about this one save, oh, save again because there's a lot of passages that kind of, you know, pretty much goes against that. Confirm, you know, you remember when in Exodus chapter 8 and 9, uh, Pharaoh hardened his heart. All the plagues that were against him, he still hardened his heart, did not obey God, did not respect, did not let his people go. And then when you get to chapter 9, verse 12, it says that God hardened his heart. But when God hardened his heart is a different Hebrew word than when Pharaoh hardened his heart. When God hardened his heart, after Pharaoh hardened his heart multiple times, what God was saying, God was validating his decision, his heart. He was confirming his heart. That's what he was doing. There comes a time where people will not. And just like with Pharaoh, listen, I, no matter what God does, God is full of mercy, he's full of love, he's full of patience, but God knows when someone had made the final decision, that's your decision, that's your, that's your final decision. It's like that game show. Is that your answer? That's your final answer? Well, that's what God's going to confirm you in. And it comes to a point where people will just harden their heart. The reality is there are people who will not accept Jesus Christ as Lord and personal Savior. And so the heart, we need to be careful. Here's the warning. Don't harden your heart. In the same way, remember before the flood, what did God say? Before the flood, in, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 3, the Lord said, it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. There comes a time when God's going to say, Enough is enough. That is your decision. I know you're not going to change your mind, so that is it. That's a dangerous place to be. And so the Holy Spirit says, Do not harden your heart. Back to Hebrews chapter 4. Let's look at verses 10 and 11. Therefore, I, speaking the Lord, was angry with that generation. You know, I showed them everything. They didn't want to take over the land. I said I was going to give them that land. I've been with them. I handled Pharaoh and all his chariots. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their hearts. And they have not known my ways, verse 11. So I swore my wrath, they shall now enter my rest. The rest of God. Canaan was a place where they would find rest in the Lord. The result of unbelief is no rest. No rest. Truly of Israel, they wanted that place. They wanted rest. 430 years of slavery. They, they were longing for that place. They made it to the border. But unbelief did not allow them to go in. And God had them wander in the desert 40 years. They could have made the shortcuts, but they went in circles. (laughs) 40 years until that generation died off. You know, there's a reason why we we have these stories. We have these accounts recorded for us in the Old Testament. And you find the New Testament writers quoting from the Old Testament. It's because we can learn from them. When we study, like on Wednesday nights, we're studying Genesis. Boy, I I don't think there's anything in TV more interesting than what, what we're reading. And there's a lot of dysfunctional families in the Bible. I don't think you know that. The first family that was murdered between brothers, Cain and Abel. The Bible's honest, but it's there so we can learn. We learn from the children of Israel how God dealt, because we worship the same God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We believe also that Jesus is God. He's the Messiah. He's the one that fulfilled all 300 of the Messianic prophecies in the Old Testament, or the Tanakh, as they were called. 
So we worship and serve the same God. And so after the writer now, he, he, he quotes from this psalm. He has them recall the time when the children of Israel who were unbelieving did not make it into the promised land. And now he gives us that, quoting from Psalms 95, verses 7 through 11. Now he's going to give us the application. Now this application doesn't only apply for the first readers of the book of Hebrews of the church 2,000 years ago, but it applies for us today. Let's look at verse 12. But notice the first two words in verse 12. What does verse 12 begins with? It says, beware brethren. Here's the warning. Brethren, he's talking to believers in Christ, and we're going to see. Now, he could say, he could refer brethren as fellow Jews, Hebrew, but we're going to see in context, he's going to talk about Christ. That's why we're brethren. We've been grafted in. We've been united. We're sons and daughters of God through Christ. So we're brethren. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. So he says, beware, Christian, beware, Calvary Chapel of Milford. Beware, he says, verse 12, lest there be in any of you, you Christians, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So can a Christian have an evil heart of unbelief and depart from the living God? That's why there's a warning. So the answer is yes. There is a reason. There is a warning. Once saved, always saved. On God's part, yes and amen, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing can remove us from his hands. However, you still have a free will. Once saved, always saved on your end. That's where there's a problem. I trust God. God is faithful. We're faithless. The free will that you had to accept Jesus Christ on the cross did not stop there. The free will that you have, you still have now. You still have a free will to choose to how you're going to live for God. So the once saved, always save. if that's their point, like once you save, that's it. But what if someone accepts Christ and then later on drift away? Then unbelief and heart, that's why there's warnings and says, you know, I don't believe in Christ anymore. I've heard that. I remember, I remember clearly, and I, I shared this with you before. I knew one girl, she, she was part of the worship team. She would, she would worship God, anointed, crying tears. Somehow we departed, you know, we had different lives. She moved, got on the phone. I don't believe Jesus Christ is God. Can we change? Yes. Of course, we change things we believe in all the time. Once we believe something, later on after we... You know, life goes on or whatever we learn, we, we, we don't believe it anymore. So what we're saying, if once saved, always saved, what if the person doesn't want to accept Christ? Lord, I know I accepted you. It was genuine because I know there are people who say, well, you never gave your life. Who, how can you know that? Where's there a scripture in the Bible to prove that? Well, if they, were, if they backslide or, or if they don't follow Christ anymore, that's because they were never born to begin. To. Where do you find that in the Bible? So what if the person say, I don't want to follow God anymore? What Jesus is going to say, I'm sorry, you're with me, you're stuck for life. Once saved, always saved. But Jesus, I don't, I'm sorry, you're stuck with me. Jesus, I attend the satanic church. Sorry. No, you see, you get what I'm saying? Yes. When somebody says, once saved, always saved, ask them, you know, try to make that clear. What do you mean by that? 
that nothing can separate us from love? Yes, because of Christ, yes. Nothing can remove us from his hands, nothing. But I may not lose my salvation. I like the way Chuck Smith would say it, but I can walk away from the salvation. What did Jesus say? And that day, many would say to me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, performed miracles? Lord, I mean, if you look at the resume of that person, it's better than mine. In all my life and ministry, performed miracles? I never did that. Prophesied? I don't think I prophesied. I don't think I cast out demons. Maybe on myself. No, I was good. Christians are not demons, by the way. That's another story, okay? God is not into timeshare. He's in your heart. If he's in your heart, that's no. But anyway, the point is, that resume that that person had that Jesus described, he says, depart from me, I never knew you. What do you think that means? And, you know, we look at the word chosen. We, actually, we're talking about Israel. Israel, the chosen people that were chosen. Oh, they weren't chosen. You know, you hear that? The hyper Oh, they weren't chosen. Well, the truly Israel were chosen. Did, did they all go to heaven? If you want to hang on the chosen doctrine, theology, you know, it's God's foreknowledge. It's God's foreknowledge. He knows who's chosen. He had the book of life is in heaven. He knows whose names are written in there. The chosen, does it mean all of Israel goes to heaven? No. But you see, they sinned, they're in the wilderness, and they did not make it into the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. That's the key word. What has changed your life? What has made you a believer in Jesus Christ? What has changed everything about you? And being born again, a believer in Jesus Christ, it was belief. You believed and acted on that belief. You repented of your sin. Now you're born again. It was belief. The Bible says in Hebrew, says, without faith it's impossible to please God. It's belief. So it's that belief that we still need to be careful that we don't drift away and we don't wander and we don't have our hearts hardened because you could be cut off. This is what Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 11, verses 19 to 23, this is what he wrote. Now, just to give you the background, the branches here, he's talking about Israel, which is the olive tree. The Gentiles who are being grafted in are the wild olive tree or wild olive branches, olive tree, olive branches, wild olive trees, Gentile believers, branches. In Romans chapter 11, verse 19, it says, You say, Paul says, you say then, branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Okay, some of the branches of this tree have been broken off that I, as a Gentile, have been grafted in. Verse 20, well said, Paul said, because of unbelief they were broken off. Why were they broken off? Unbelief. You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie. Pastor Eddie's been digging into the book of Hebrews in a series called Jesus is Better. This book touches on so many amazing things, but really ties in the Old Testament covenant with the New. The author mentions the importance of the high priest and the sacrifices that were made. But the point is that Jesus became the high priest and also the sacrificial lamb for all people. Isn't it amazing how Jesus fulfilled all that was in the Old Testament? It's because Jesus became the high priest that now we can go to him for our strength, our courage, and our hope. Another way to come to God is in prayer. 
Jessica wants to tell you more about this. Prayers for this ministry would be so appreciated. The opportunity for the lost to be reached over the radio is incredible. So please pray for our listening audience and that what's shared will alter people's lives forever. Another way you can support us is by prayerfully considering giving in a financial way. There's a lot of time and effort that goes into producing this program. And we're grateful for all who are willing to come alongside us to support the creation of each program. If you feel led to do this, you can find a Give tab at runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. While you're there, you can find all sorts of information about Calvary Chapel of Milford. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on our website, runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks for listening to Running the Race.